Hey folks, Luke here. I'm gonna talk about progressive overload today. Before I do, this is gonna tie in to the how to write a program course that I have coming up. I just wanted to give you an update on that. I know a lot of people are super excited by it and I am too. It's probably gonna be another couple of months, unfortunately. I'm actually expecting my first child at the moment and she's due in a couple of weeks time. So it's not that likely that I'm gonna get everything finished and uploaded and edited and everything the way I want it in time. And I'm obviously gonna have a little bit of time off while I spend some time with my family. So with that said, it is still coming. I'm still working away on it, but we might have to wait just a little bit longer. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, progressive overload, very, very important concept for making progress with your muscle growth. Probably the most important concept because what it essentially allows is for your training to remain effective in the long term. That's the most important thing about progressive overload. Now, what I'll do is I'll just summarize the whole concept and then we'll talk a little bit more in depth about this. So progressive overload simply means that your training has to remain similarly challenging over time. It means your training has to stay effective as you get bigger and stronger. And the reason why is because it maintains the number of stimulating reps we do in each set as we progress. What do I mean by stimulating reps? I'll get into it in more depth, but the summary is that the reps that are closer to failure are the most stimulating for muscle growth because as you approach failure on a set, your brain recruits more and more muscle fibers to keep lifting the weight. This is called the size principle. And what it means is that the largest groups of muscle fibers are saved until last, until they're really needed, meaning the last few reps of a set. And these are therefore the most stimulating to muscle growth because they recruit the most muscle fibers and therefore those fibers experience mechanical tension and they get the signal to grow. But unless you add reps or unless you add load over time, you're gonna start dropping those reps. You're gonna experience less and less of them over time as you get stronger and as you adapt to your workouts. So let's illustrate this with an example. Let's say you start a training phase doing three sets of 10 with 100 kilos, and that's quite hard, it's quite challenging. You train to within one or two reps shy of failure on each set, and you get lots of stimulating reps, and as a result, you get bigger and you get stronger and you get capable of doing more. And that's week one, three sets of 10 with 100, one or two reps in reserve. By week six, let's say you're still doing three sets of 10 with 100 kilos, but because you've gotten stronger over this training phase, it's now more like four or five reps away from failure as opposed to one or two reps away from failure. So it's still challenging. It's still gonna grow some muscle. You're still getting some stimulating reps, but you're getting fewer of the most stimulating reps that are close to failure. So if you wanted to keep getting the same number of these super stimulating reps, what you would have needed to do during those six weeks is either increase the weight or increase the number of reps you're doing as you're able to do it. In both situations, you would end up getting more of those reps that are closer to failure. And that's essentially what applying the principle of progressive overload allows. If we didn't apply progressive overload, basically what would happen is that our workouts would eventually contain fewer of those 
very highly stimulating reps. And that means the muscle building stimulus would slowly but surely get smaller and smaller. And eventually, if you kept going that way, it would be too small to really stimulate any gains in muscle whatsoever. You'd just be stuck in the same spot. And this is pretty intuitive, right? Like if you think about the weight that you first lifted when you got into the gym, like maybe you're someone who can bench press 100 kilos right now. Uh, but when you started, I know when I started, I think I started with maybe 40 kilos or something like that. And so uh, it means that, you know, if you kept doing 40 kilos right now, that's got no muscle building stimulus to you whatsoever. It's very, very light. It's too light to do anything. Eventually, you got so strong that that contained no stimulating reps anymore at all. So we need to apply progressive overload. Otherwise, that's going to happen. You're going to be stuck on 40 kilos for the rest of your days and you're never going to grow any muscle, right? Now, this doesn't have to happen every workout. You don't have to increase the load every workout. And it doesn't mean that um, from one workout to the next or maybe one program to the next, if you don't increase the number of reps or you don't increase the weight, that now you're not going to grow any muscle. It just means that over time, you have to make sure that your training program is providing progressive overload. Otherwise, eventually, it's going to get less and less effective. Okay? So I'm going to explain some of these concepts in a little bit more detail now, but that's the quick summary of it. So let's get into it. All right, so a little bit more depth on how this whole thing works. Essentially, what happens is when we lift reasonably heavy weights, we get these various adaptations that contribute to an increase in strength. And this means that there is a variety of pathways in which we could potentially lift more. We could end up with larger muscle fiber size, which means that the engine is a bit bigger. We might end up with more muscle fiber force production. Again, meaning that we're applying more force, we're able to lift more load. We can also potentially get better muscle fiber coordination. In other words, our brain just gets a little bit better at coordinating all the different muscle fibers and producing more force. We can also get stronger connective tissue. Uh, you know, when we're training our muscles, what's happening is it's generating force. The muscle fibers are generating force and transmitting that force via the connective tissue to the bones. And so if we get stronger connective tissue that's able to transmit more force, then we end up getting stronger as well. So there's a few different scenarios in which we can actually get stronger. And if our training is programmed well, then that's going to happen after a session, right? So all of these various adaptations that contribute to gains in maximum strength are stimulated after an effective training session. And sometimes that means that the next time you come in and train, you're able to lift more weight or do more reps for the same weight. Not always, and it doesn't happen every single workout, but it, it incrementally adds up and eventually that should happen. So either way, when we come to doing our next workout, we are stronger in some way, and that might show up in the form of more weight or more reps at the same weight. And so we have this option of making progress. And I guess this is important to sort of highlight is that we have the option there and sometimes we don't take it. But the idea is that you don't necessarily force progressive overload. It's not like you can pre-plan this necessarily. You can't say, okay, week one, 10 reps at 100 kilos, week two, 11 reps, week three, 12 reps, etc. It doesn't really work like that. The point is more that every session you come in, you put in a high amount of effort 
And hopefully, if your training is effective, it means that in one, two, three, four sessions time, you can do more. And so when you come in and you put in your high level of effort, oh, awesome. Now, when I do my set of 100 kilos at an eight RPE, I can get 11 reps, whereas two weeks ago, I was only getting 10 reps. So that's kind of how progressive overload works. It kind of gives you this option to progress when you put in a high amount of effort. So I mentioned earlier in the sort of summary explanation that there's this idea of stimulating reps. So I kind of want to just touch on that a little bit. So the reps that are closest to failure are the most stimulating. And this is because the brain has an order in which it recruits muscle fibers. So the way it works is that your brain sends a signal down the spine to a motor neuron, which is just the nerve that controls a group of muscle fibers. So the motor neuron is connected to a bunch of different muscle fibers. It might control um, you know, six different bundles or it might control 60 different bundles of muscle fibers. Uh, the, the motor neuron and the bundle of muscle fibers that it controls are called a motor unit. So some motor units are larger than others. And that means one of two things. It could mean that the muscle fibers themselves that are within that motor unit are actually just like type two fibers. They're like bigger, stronger, uh, have more potential for growth. Or it also means that potentially there's a larger number of those fibers uh, in, in the motor unit. So what happens is when our brain recognizes that we need to lift something, we obviously need to generate some force to lift that. And your brain's pretty smart. It only uses the amount of force it needs to lift that item. So if I was picking up my phone, your brain knows that it doesn't need that much force to do that. And so it's not going to recruit all of your available muscle fibers to do the job. Otherwise, it'd be overkill, right? You would squeeze your phone and crush it, or you would sort of put it through your face when you're trying to look at it. So the idea is just that you use the amount of force required. Now, when we're lifting weights, let's say we're doing a set of 10, that means that every rep doesn't have the same number of muscle fibers involved. A weight that you can lift for 10 reps is heavy, but it's not like maximally heavy. It's not like if you uh, try to bench press that and you don't apply all of your potential force, you're going to like have the bar fall on, fall on your face or something. Your brain knows that like for reps, one, two, three, four, it doesn't need to use all of your available muscle fibers. So it just uses some and it always starts with the smallest motor units, the weakest ones. These are the ones that have smaller muscle fibers, the, mostly the type one fibers. And it's also the ones that contain fewer muscle fiber bundles themselves. So these are the smallest motor units. But eventually those start to get a bit tired and they need a bit of help. So after you've done a couple of reps like that, um, those fibers start to fall out of recruitment and you need to recruit more to keep lifting the weight. So your brain picks up on some bigger muscle, uh, motor units, meaning more muscle fibers get involved. And those contribute. And eventually what happens is when you get close enough to failure, your effort is high because you're trying to lift this weight and your a lot of your fibers are tired and that means that your brain kind of goes, all right, sweet. Well, for us to keep lifting this weight, we're going to have to recruit all of our motor units and involve all of our muscle fibers. And this tends to happen when we're about roughly five reps away from failure. 
Now, that's not a hard number. It's more like, <laughs> you know, it's going to be different for everybody and it's going to be different between different movements depending on which muscles are contributing and all this kind of stuff. But just for simplicity's sake and for the explanation to make sense, let's say when you're about five reps away from hitting failure is when all of your muscle fibers have been recruited and engaged to help you keep lifting that weight. So this is where we're in the most stimulating reps because these are the reps where all of our muscle fibers are being recruited and that means that they are contracting against the load, they're experiencing force, which means they're experiencing mechanical tension and mechanical tension is what kicks off the chemical processes that cause the muscle to grow. Okay, so what that means is that the most stimulating reps are the ones that are closer to failure. The last five reps of a set are more effective for muscle growth than the first five reps of the set. Doesn't mean the first five reps don't cause any muscle growth, it just means they're less effective, okay? So what that means is that unless we continue to perform reps that are relatively close to failure, we're not gonna get the most muscle growth possible. So in my example, what I said was, let's imagine we were lifting three sets 10 reps, 100 kilos. And we're staying, let's say, one or two reps away from failure. That contains a lot of really stimulating reps, right? Those reps that are closer to failure, are there in abundance. We're, we're accumulating a lot of those. We're gonna get stronger, we're gonna adapt, we're gonna get better. And let's say by week six on the same program, we're still using the same weight and we're still doing the same number of reps. Now we're doing three sets of 10 at 100 kilos, same as week one. But this time, because we're stronger, we're now four or five reps away from failure. That means that we're getting fewer stimulating reps, right? Now we're further from failure. Uh, we're not accumulating as many stimulating reps in a workout. Now we're still potentially gonna get some muscle growth out of this. We're still potentially gonna make some progress, but eventually what's gonna happen, as you can see, is that our workouts get less and less effective as we progress. For us to maintain the same amount of stimulus and to keep progressing at a good rate, we need to make sure that we're still getting lots of stimulating reps in every set. And that means that for us to do that, we have to either have increased the load or we need to increase the number of reps we're doing. In either situation, what's happening is we are performing more reps that are closer to failure, which are the most stimulating reps. All right, hopefully that all makes sense. But uh, I think sometimes people go, again, they try and sort of force progressive overload, but it's just something that tells us that muscle growth is happening. It's something where if you look back, you can say, oh, okay, cool. It looks like my training's been effective because I can see that progressive overload is being applied. In reality, what's gonna happen is you're gonna go into the gym, you're gonna train hard, and you're gonna get those stimulated reps close to failure. And you can't necessarily just force a weight increase every single week or force yourself to do more reps. Um, it's just gonna happen naturally as you go in and apply effort. Uh, the main thing is just that you are able to look back and recognize, oh, cool, I have made progress where previously I could do three sets of 10 at 100 kilos. Now, when I go three sets of 10, I can do 102.5, I can do 105, or I can lift 100 kilos for 11 reps or 12 reps. And that tells you that your program is working. So it's kind of more of a retrospective thing. In reality, like I said, you're just gonna come in, you're gonna train hard and numbers will kind of fall where they fall. But we should see that there's gonna be this progressive overload occurring over time. 
Now, one thing I wanted to mention is that there are other ways to apply progressive overload. You can play around with things like tempo and range of motion and so on. But the issue is that those are very hard to track. And I think that having something objective to just kind of look back and analyze your training with is much easier to use. So yes, technically speaking, if I did three sets of 10 uh, at 100 kilos, sort of touch and go on a bench press versus three sets of 10 with a pause on my chest, in the second scenario, it's a harder thing to do. I'm going to get more stimulus to the muscle, but that's kind of hard to measure over time and it's kind of hard to sort of implement. So uh, I think it's easiest to simply track either the number of reps that we do for a given load or to track the amount of load increase for a given number of reps. And that's probably the easiest way to quickly analyze whether progressive overload is being applied to our training. Now, sometimes I get this question of like, well, what happens if I'm not progressing? What happens if I do some training and from week one to week eight, there's no progress there? What's going on? Like, well, am I still gaining muscle? What, what's happening? So what could be happening is a variety of situations. So I'll, I'll go through some things that could be going on there. Number one, you just might not be consistent enough. So perhaps you aren't training with enough consistency to really get the result that you want, or perhaps you're not really measuring your progress correctly. You're not being patient enough. You're not uh, identifying that it's occurring because maybe you change your training too often or because you don't actually measure your training progress or something like that. Or you're just not patient enough, like I said. I mean, sometimes progressive overload for a beginner is going to be really easily identifiable because they're going to make gains relatively quickly. And as you get more advanced, it's going to get harder and harder to see that progress. So sometimes you might find that, okay, from week one to two to three, you don't see that much happening, but perhaps by week four, five, or six, you will. The next thing that could be happening is under recovery. You might simply be doing too much and therefore your body kind of doesn't have the resources or time it needs to recover so that you can actually realize the gains. Uh, this is relatively, relatively common when people are doing really high reps, very high volume type stuff, uh, perhaps training too frequently or trying to do too many things at once in a training program and they simply can't recover well enough to really realize their gains and make the adaptations they want. So that's one potential thing if you aren't seeing this progressive overload in your training that could be happening. Another thing that could be happening is that you just simply have high fatigue from previous training. So let's imagine you're doing pretty high training volume and you're working really hard and maybe you're in a calorie deficit. And so all of these things are accumulating to high fatigue. And uh, what's happening is that potentially from you know, week one to two to three to four, you're slowly accumulating some fatigue and you're still making some progress. It's just difficult to see that uh, actual performance happen in person because your fatigue is still high. It might just require that you have, you know, like half an easy week or wait a little bit longer between sessions so that you can actually express your new capabilities that you have built and you can actually see the progressive overload. So that's also a possibility. Another possibility is just that your previous training didn't work that well. Like maybe you didn't program it very well. Maybe you didn't choose good exercises or you're chopping and changing them too often or, you know, whatever. You're not training close enough to failure to get a good stimulus or you're not trying hard enough or whatever it is. Maybe your previous training just didn't work that well. So that's also a possibility. Um, I don't think that, I think people sometimes freak out a little bit when, 
they go, oh no, maybe I'm doing the wrong exercises or I, <laughs> you know, something like that. Generally speaking, I think if your program is sort of reasonably designed, it has a decent amount of training volume and there's not anything that's like excessively fatiguing in your life or, or causing you an under recovery because of like high stress or inadequate food intake or a lack of sleep or whatever, then generally speaking, if you go in and you try pretty hard and you track your training, then you should get better over time and it shouldn't be too much of an issue. But uh, sometimes what happens is that people do, you know, way too much training volume or they chop and change their exercises every week so they never get a chance to get better at them or they don't genuinely train close to failure. They sort of always train well within themselves, which is also a bit of an issue. Um, those things can all happen, right? So those are all potential issues there. So I guess just to kind of summarize it, this is one of the number one indicators that you are gaining muscle. It's not the only one, but ultimately you should be able to go in, work hard and see that over time your performance increases. And like I said, the easiest way to track that is to either recognize that your weight is going up for the same number of reps or that the number of reps you can do for the same weight is increasing as well. And that's applying progressive overload and that's one of the primary training principles. That's it for this podcast, cheers. Uh, once again, I'm gonna go into more depth with this kind of stuff uh, and everything related to training, all the training variables in my how to write a training program course that's coming over the next couple of months. Hopefully um, I can get a little bit of time to sort of finish everything, make sure it's really polished and high quality for you guys once the baby comes. But in the meantime, I'm really looking forward to showing you what I've got. It's really exciting. Awesome. Have a good one. Catch you in the next podcast.